The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Hey, if you are listening to me from the greater Cincinnati area and you were planning to go to the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati's meeting tomorrow night, note the change of location. I know we just changed locations. Uh, What's going on now? This is a one night thing. It's going to be held at the Embassy Suites in Blue Ash as opposed to the other hotel in Blue Ash, the Crown Plaza where we've been meeting since beginning of the year. This is a one-time thing, but don't show up in the wrong place because it's an awesome meeting. Uh, The early meeting at 6 o'clock is called Buying Without Banks a Primer. And it's about how real-life people buy real-life creative finance deals, not like in the books and not like the really complex stuff that you may not grasp if you are a brand-new investor, but... Uh, true, you know, subject to owner financing, that sort of deals and sort of what, what motivates sellers to do that. And, you know, it's a, it's a good introduction for you. If you have been hearing people say, oh yeah, you can buy real estate without banks and thinking uh, how the main meeting at seven thirty is real estate mastery with a longtime re member Brady Melton. It's subtitled finding and doing deals is easy. Making money consistently is the trick. So uh, good meeting, uh, different location. Embassy Suites in Blue Ash. Go to CincinnatiRIA.com for more information about that. CincinnatiREIA.com. And of course, all are welcome to that meeting. I really hope you guys are going to stay tuned all the way through the program today, even though we're not going to talk about real estate strategies today. What we're going to talk about today is how to not find yourself enslaved to your own real estate business. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I I wish, I wish my real estate business was like so active and so successful that I was feeling like all I could do was spend time in it. I wish I was making so much money that I really felt, you know, handcuffed to my real estate business. But the reality is that happens to an awful lot of people and it's not a fun place to be. And So we're going to discuss today how to plan out your real estate business, whatever that happens to be, whether that's retailing, wholesaling, rentals, lease options, buying notes, whatever, in such a way that you are rich in life as well as rich in money. Now, those of you who've heard that before know who my guest is. It is Sean McCluskey. He is the author of 
a book entitled Life and Air, and uh, sort of one of the co-founders of the philosophy of Life and Air. And uh, he is here today to discuss how you can start getting everything you want right now, even as you are building that business and make sure that you do not find yourself in a very uh, uncomfortable place later on when the business does get successful. Uh, joining us from his home near St. Louis is Sean McCluskey. Sean, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, thank you for having me today. Uh, I, I would have you on every week if that were <laughs> if that were possible because I'll check my schedule. What I'm doing next week. That's good. Well, I just think I, I just think. Uh, what what you and your partner Steve Cook, who is the uh, co-founder, as it were, of the kind of the Life and Air movement, uh, what you talk about, what you teach, is so important, and it's so unrecognized until I mean, people recognize it when they get there, right? People people I'm sure, sure. come to you and say, "I read your book. How come you're in my brain? How did you know?" that I'm making zillions of dollars and I'm miserable and my, and I'm getting a divorce and my dog doesn't come when I call and I never have time to do anything <laughs> that I love to do. And, and, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm never sure whether new investors can hear this message or not because they, they maybe don't believe that you can both be rich and also unhappy, <laughs> but, uh, but that well, even worse, if I can jump in, they feel like, well, I'm not stupid enough to ever let that happen to me. Just let me make some more money, and once I make more money, then we, I won't have any of these problems like these other idiots do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, but I know this this uh, this this whole life and air thing is very personal to you because it, it came out of your own real life experience. So why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about that and how this all happened for you? Sure. Uh, it started off with being at a job that. You know, I actually loved my job for a couple of years. I was at my, the last job I ever had, I had for seven years. And the first four years, I actually liked it quite a bit. And I worked up corporate ladder and got myself to where I was managing 12, 13 people. And then the next three years, it was, you know, more management and more responsibility. And I worked my way up the corporate ladder to find out that it seems like the better you are at your job, the more they just dump on you because you're the only guy that will do it. And so I realized that my reward for being good at what I was doing was giving me more stuff to do, which means I was working more hours and everything else. And then finally that turned into uh, the economy changed a little bit. Now, this is back, 2003 was the last time I had a job. And uh, they they came in and, and finally had me let go all of my staff, and then I was the last one. And they said, now, now it's you. So... I don't know what happened there. It was a, it was the pager business, you know. Remember beepers back in the day? <laughs> oh my lord! They, they still had those in '03. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was still uh, pimps and drug dealers back then in, in '03, and but they were fizzling, you know. So anyway, I, I realized that there that the security that I thought was in my job wasn't there. And even though I'd been there seven years, you know, and I'd worked my way up, and I I was in charge of ten million dollars worth of revenue there. By my at the time, I was my last year there, but then. When I got the severance package to get let go, I got a whopping two months of severance for seven years of, you know, 50 hours a week plus. So uh, then I go out and start my own business, and I decided I'm going to flip houses because a friend of a friend flipped houses, and I happened to see a $30,000 check on his desk one day. And I thought, that looks pretty cool. <laughs> I've never made 30000 in one check before, you know, so I thought, I'm going to go do that. And I went out. Do you, do you remember... Uh, a guy named Carlton Sheets. Oh, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the No Money Down program was all over the late-night infomercials back then. 
I went and got one of those manuals and uh, and decided I was going to flip houses and went out and got that whole program and uh, went and, and tried to flip my first house. might have helped if I would have read any of the program, but I didn't and uh, just read the cliff notes. And, you know, pretty soon, you know, there's a whole long story there where, you know, the first year was a struggle because you don't know what you're doing. You're trying to learn as you go and and you're making no money when you first start out. And you're spending money and none is coming in. And so there was some struggles there, but eventually I got to the point where, you know, three years into this, I'm doing pretty well, and I'm flipping lots of deals, and four years into it, I was flipping like 60, 70 deals a year. Now, at the time, this is back, so I started in 2003, and the market was pretty hot back then, and then 2004 is when I really started doing some deals. In 2005, 2006, I'm, I'm just really doing well. 2007, I'm even really doing well, and at that point, I had flipped, I don't know, maybe... 200, 250 properties or so at that time. And I had built this business based off of how everyone else told me I should build a business. And I was going to seminars. I was spending money. I was not afraid to get educated because I thought, you know, for me, I'm not the kind of guy that'll sit down and and go through an entire home study course, but I will go sit through a four-day event and I will go learn that way. So I spent lots of money on events and stuff like that. And I did every single thing that they told me to do to where, you know, four or five years into this, I was closing, flipping 60, 70 houses a year, but honestly, I woke up one day, Vina, and I'm like, what am I doing here? I mean, I went from totally broke in 2003 with two months severance to four years later, I made $100,000 on one deal that I owned for a day. I flipped this house. I literally put it under contract, got it for a certain price, flipped it for $100,000 the very same day that I had to close on it, and it was one of the worst days of my life. And people hear that, and they're like, what are you, mental? Why was this such a bad day for you? And the truth is, it was such a bad day because I had done everything I was taught to do, but my expenses were now through the roof. I now had 16 real estate agents working out of a brokerage that I'd opened. I had about $34,000 a month in expenses going out the door between having a big, expensive, beautiful office and six employees that are on my payroll every single month which, by the way, they make money every single month whether we close a deal or not. Mm -hmm. And I did everything that the book said that I should do and that the guru said I should do, but here I am, I'm closing $100,000 on a deal. It should be the happiest day of my life, and I'm miserable. And I'm miserable because it was the realization to me that even though I did everything everyone taught me to do, that $100,000 check just bought me three months to live based on my current expenses. Mm -hmm. So... In addition to that, you know, I had built this business where I am closing a lot of deals and flipping a lot of houses, but I had – have you ever heard how you should just, like, outsource everything? A lot of people teach us now, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So they say, you know, you should uh, just stick to being the business owner. You shouldn't be taking out the trash, and you shouldn't be, you know, doing any of the repair work at the houses, and you shouldn't be – if you don't like going on appointments, then you shouldn't be going on appointments. So I built up my business based on that advice. And I had, now, granted, my business was short sales at the time, so we were doing marketing to find leads. We had leads coming in the door. Those phone calls had to be answered. Those deals had to be pre-screened. Somebody had to go on the appointment and sign up the deal. And then somebody had to, of course, negotiate with the bank. And then once we got an approval, somebody has to now market the house for sale or fix it up. So we've got all these different jobs that need to be done. And I did what I was told to do, which was, As a business owner, you should outsource all of that, and you should be the guy basically collecting checks. 
But the problem is, like, when I first got started, I actually, uh, the reason I got into this business, yes, it was, in fact, for money, but it was also because I loved people. And I love to help people. And so one of the reasons I got involved in short sales specifically is because I knew that people were having a hard time when they're facing foreclosure. And I figured, hey, maybe I can make some money, but maybe I can help them in the process. The challenge was four years into this business, I had outsourced every single part of the process that I loved to where I was no longer seeing homeowners. I was no longer making a difference in their lives. I was no longer answering the phone because I had other people to do that for me that were on my salary or on my payroll, by the way. And I had outsourced so much of the business that I found myself being the guy that was, in fact, back at the office collecting checks, but I was also writing a lot of checks. And I was also the guy that was stuck at the office 50, 60, 70 hours a week doing paperwork, which, by the way, is the thing that I hate most in business. That is not my passion at all. (laughs) So, you know, so I tell this story. Excuse me for being long-winded here, but I tell this because... So many of us are taught how to build a business today. You can go to college to learn how to business, build a business. You can go to a seminar to learn how to build a business. But the challenge with all of this is none of it starts with what I think is the most crucial piece of all of this, and that is what is your vision? What do you want your stinking life to look like, right? Anybody can teach you how to make money at the risk of working 70 hours a week. And unfortunately, that's what most entrepreneurs do today. They start to build a business. They pick one that they like. You know, we got a lot of real estate investors on this show, and it happens to be my background, too. So a lot of real estate investors get involved in this business, and they go, well, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to do things smarter. But in the beginning, I'm going to work really hard. And they set everything up how they've been taught to set it up, and then three, four, five years later, they're finally making some really, really good money. But most of them, and when I say most of them, I mean the overwhelming majority of them, if you knew what their lives looked like, you wouldn't want to copy a lot of what they're doing. And I see these guys firsthand, and women too, you know. Sorry for blabbing on and on, but that's a little bit about the story. So now today, I'm passionate about helping people. Yes, I want you to make a lot of money, but I don't want you to do it at the expense of everything else that you care about. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that day that I made 100000 bucks, you know, I should have been excited. I should have been planning a vacation with some of that money or, you know, giving some of it away or doing something like that. But I was scared to do any of that because I thought – what if three more months comes and I don't do another deal? Mm-hmm. I mean, at thirty-four grand a month for expenses, that just bought me three months. And if I don't do a deal in three months, I'm out of business. Uh huh. Yep. 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 A lot of uh, a lot of folks, um, if they are successful, that is what they find out that success is. That that <laughs> you know everyone and 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 when they and when they get to that point and start asking other people that are successful, you know, how do you do it? It, the truth comes out, right? Sure. It, it look, everything looks great on the surface, but they're saying the same things you are. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how. It's easy, it's easy to say, don't do this, but we're going to talk about <laughs> how to not do this. So uh, sure. if anybody has any questions for Sean, give us a call here in the studio at 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email. Just go to our website, realliferealestate.com. Fill out the question button there. Uh, send it over and we'll get those questions for you. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Sean McCluskey and by the way, everybody, if you are listening in your car, pull over 
If you're listening secretly at your desk at work, take out a pen, write down some dates. November the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, you are going to be in Cincinnati. Don't plan anything else over the over those dates because uh, that is, is the weekend of the big national real estate strategies conference here in Cincinnati. Uh, over 750 people attended last year and we expect even more this year and the reason it just keeps getting bigger and bigger is because everybody knows it's the best and um, Sean is going to be keynoting this year because we want to kick off the event with this thought that he is about to share with you <laughs> about, yeah, go do all of these great things that these people are teaching you to do and that they're so good at doing, but do them in a way that doesn't end up overwhelming your life. Uh, so again, November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th here in Cincinnati. Put that down. You'll hear more about it as we uh, get closer to the event. Uh, Sean, we actually have a, a caller who's been hanging on the line since like the minute you started talking like 20 minutes ago. So uh, we are going to uh, qu uh, go to Nick on line one in Nashville. Nick, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thanks. Um, I just closed... Uh deal first time in a long time on Friday. I've got another one closing this Friday. So I've almost doubled my salary um, in basically a week from what I have for my corporate job. I'm trying to transition out of my corporate job to back into real estate full-time, but I don't want my life to stink. Mm -hmm. So just <laughs> trying to, how do I do that? Because I've got a wife, got a baby, want to have another baby, trying to make everything work and not be miserable. Great. Um, man, that's a great question. I want to give you two answers, a two-part answer, if you don't mind. First and foremost, I love that you've already got some money coming in, but what most people do when they have money coming in is they either go out and they, they go spend it all, or they immediately increase their expenses by taking on something with bigger payments and so on. So you've got a little bit of money coming in. You've doubled your salary. That's great. But what I want to encourage you, there's, there's actually four stages that we take people through that we discuss pretty in-depth in the book. Uh, I'll cover them here quickly in a second, but I want to encourage you to get the Life in Our book, too. That'll help explain a lot of this. But first and foremost um, is to live within your means today. And what I mean by that is, since you've got enough money in the bank that has, you said it's doubled your salary, is that right? The two wholesale deals have basically doubled my salary, yeah. Okay, good. So what you don't want to do right now is just go out and buy a whole bunch more stuff or increase your expenses. What you want to do is take the money that you have right now, and we call it creating a reserve account that you can pay yourself a salary from. So I'm going to use round numbers here for a second. This may not be your numbers, but you'll get the concept okay. when I share it this way. So let's say that, that your cost of living right now is ten grand a month. Let's just say that, okay, because it's easy to wrap your head around. It might be a lot for you or it might be a little bit. But let's say your cost of living without increasing your current lifestyle is ten grand a month. So the key for every new real estate investor is you want to get at least a minimum of six months worth of salary into a reserve account that you, you kind of use to pay yourself a salary every month. So if I take, let's say I make 60 grand, let's just say for the sake of this, 10 grand a month, that's six months, I put that into a reserve account, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to start paying myself a salary of 10 grand a month out of that reserve account. Now let's say I go two months, and I have not done another deal yet. So first month, ten grand comes out. I'm now down to fifty grand in my reserve account. 
the second month, another 10 grand comes out, and I'm down to 40 grand. And now in that month, I close yet another wholesale deal. Let's say I make another 30,000. Well, what you want to do is instead of going out and spending the entire 30,000, you want to take that 30,000 and at the minimum replenish your expense account so that you know you've got a steady salary coming in each month. And that means so you're going to put 20 of that 30 back into your replenishing account. And now you've got 10 left over because you just made 30. Remember, your account was down to 40 grand total. Yes. But we want to increase it to keep six months worth of reserves there. So we need 60 grand. So out of the 30 grand that you made, put 20 back into the reserves. And then you can spend the 10 on whatever you want, whether that be debt reduction, which might lower your expenses even more, or you could go on vacation with that 10 grand or whatever. Or ideally, you would have at least a year's worth of reserve in that reserve account. Because what this means is now, if you don't do a single deal in an entire year, you're not going to go bankrupt, right? Most people, I, I can't remember the statistic, but I read something recently where it was some crazy overwhelming number, something like 85% of people don't even have three months' worth of expenses in the bank. And so, you know, if you want to go through a recession or go through any kind of challenges that are going to happen in the market, and they will, then you got to have a reserve account there. But rather than increasing your expenses or just blowing it all, if you still pay yourself a salary out of, it, out of that account, that seems to be a really smart thing that when you do that, you seem to make better decisions, and all, all kinds of stuff just seems to work out better. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And now here's the danger, too. If you don't have a reserve account, but yet you no longer have a job, most people get into freak-out panic mode, and they start doing deals that maybe they shouldn't be doing, very skinny margin deals because they start thinking, well, having some money coming in is better than no money coming in at all, and they take Mm -hmm. these marginal deals. When you have a reserve account, you get the luxury of being able to pass on those little skinny deals or refer them off to somebody else and still make something little but not spend all your time on it to where now you can save your time and your energy and everything else for those really big deals. I'm telling you, people who do this end up making more, if anything, just because of the peace of mind it gives them. That was my plan, to have at least six months to a year of those reserves before I transitioned out of my salary corporate job into doing this full-time. Um, Good. So I just do it early in the morning, late at night, mail up letters, meet when I can, and then just keep going. Saturdays is typically me going out meeting with owners and just, I don't like it, but I'm not willing to quit because, you know, like you said, the six months in there because my wife wouldn't like it either. <laughs> well, and here's the key, too. You know, having the six months in there is great. And, yes, you're working so that you can get out of the job. But the key to all of this is doing it in a way that meets your vision. And I throw yeah. that word around, and some people hear that, and they're like, oh, is this guy, like, is he serious? Is he going to talk about goal setting and all this garbage? Goal setting and vision casting are two different things. When I ask you, what does your vision say about your life? I'm asking you, what do you want your life to look like before we've planned out a business? Most people go straight to a business plan and they design an entire business and they don't take their life into consideration. What they think is, someday when my business is doing really well, then I can afford to have whatever life I want, and so I'm willing to sacrifice all of that today so that someday I can have a life. And that's the trap that everybody falls into. But if you start by designing a vision for your personal life first, this is, this is not a sexy thing to do. I realize that. Most people want to skip straight to show me how to make some serious cash. But if you'll start with the personal vision aspect of it, you'll, start, you'll be able to start to put some boundaries in place that says, yes, I want to make more money this year. Yes, I want to have a great life. Yes, I want to be able to experience this with my family. Yes, I want to travel more. I want to give more and all this stuff. And I'm not willing to 
give up all of that just at the expense of building a business. I'm going to have to figure out a, a way to build the business and get all of that stuff at the same time. And that's okay. a very different set of questions that you ask yourself on a daily basis versus just how, how can I make some more money today. Okay. When you start to have a vision, you put some, some boundaries in place based on what you want your life to look like and based on what you're willing to do and not willing to do so that you're not just one day waking up saying, how the heck did I get here? That's exactly what I did. All right. Yeah, and, and Nick, good for you for even recognizing that this could be a problem. <laughs> Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you can get uh, you can get Sean's book at Amazon.com. It's like okay. fifteen. Bucks. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it's 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 it, it's it's good. But if you could do it this way, I would appreciate it. Go to wmkvfm.org, and up in the upper right hand corner, there's an Amazon button. And if you okay. click through to Amazon on that, the station gets I don't know like thirty cents or something. But you know, <laughs> if enough people do that, it makes a difference. So um, that yeah, that would be that would be great if you could do that. Uh, and and yeah, this the, the thing about any business because I I actually know people who are in businesses other than real estate, and it turns out <laughs> that any business will eat your life if you let it. There's 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 always something else to do. There's always something else you feel like you ought to be doing. And what Sean's saying about, it, but is but but is the vision for your life that you're still going to be working at nine thirty at night, or is this going to be tucking your kid in? Yeah. Keep, keeps you from doing that. And people have this misconception that says that the more hours I work, the more money I'm somehow going to make, and that actually couldn't be further from the truth. I'm not saying you don't have to work hard. There there is hard work when it comes to building a business. And hopefully you're passionate about what you're doing and everything else, too. But when you understand why you're doing it, you will pull off unbelievable things that you never thought you could accomplish. It's like, you know, when I, when I speak in front of a room, I'll ask somebody, inevitably I'll ask a woman to stand up who has kids, and I'll say, you know, I'll point at her and I'll say, would you allow me to shoot a gun at you from this far away? And if I hit you or not, whatever, you get a million bucks. And the lady looks at me like I'm crazy, and she's like, well, no, you're 10 feet away from me, and I don't know if you're going to hit me. And then I'll ask her a second question. I'll say, well, do you have kids? And she says, yes. And I say, okay, well, do you love your kids? <laughs> you know, and, of course, the answer is yes. And I say, what if I had a gun pulled on your son? Would you jump in between me and your son and take a bullet? And inevitably the answer is yes. And what that proves is we think that we'll do a lot for money, but we will not. There, there's only so much that we'll do for money. But when we understand what our why is and what our purpose is and what our vision is, we will do. Un, we will not only do unbelievable things. We will think of unbelievable solutions to problems that we come up against because we know why we're doing it. And that sounds corny and cliche. I know it. But when I ask her that, would you take the bullet instead of your son taking the bullet? She says yes without even thinking about it. Whereas, you know, some people are fearful of spending money on marketing or fearful of going on their first appointment to go look at a house or fearful of taking on their first employee where, you know, they've got all this unbelievable fear built up, but they will overcome their fear when they understand the why. And that's what the vision is all about. So forgive me, I know I'm yapping a lot at the same time. I get really passionate about this. There's actually 11 aspects of vision that we teach people to start with. But it starts with the personal vision. Most people want to jump right into a business plan and say, show me how to make money and tell me what to do. And my response is always, I can't tell you what to do. It depends on what your vision says. We have to start with the vision first before we can ever even think about designing a business plan for you. Sure. Thank you. 
All right, Nick, thank you very much for your call. Um, if you have a question or would like to discuss your situation with Sean, our number is 877-772-9658. Uh, we can also take your emails, and the way we do that is you go to realliferealestate.com. There's a little button there that says ask a question, and when you fill that in and hit send, it comes over here. Also, um, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, uh, fill in the uh, let us send you emails thing there. I know I'm not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to like, I don't know, tell you it's something other than what it is. But if you put your email address in there, we're going to send you emails. <laughs> and what those emails are going to say is, hey, there's a show coming up. Here's the topic. Here's a great article by the speaker. Here's other events that are happening around the real estate world. And if you are serious about real estate, you should want that email. So that's real life real estate. Dot com. Okay, so Sean, uh, wow, Nick just kind of dove right in to a lot of stuff you and I were going to talk about. <laughs> so let's um, let's sort of uh, break this down a little bit. What is life and air? Is it is it a strategy? Is it a philosophy? Is it how does it how does it relate to all this other stuff we're supposed to be learning about real estate? Right. It, it for years was the hardest thing to describe in like less than an hour. I, you know, I, I would get up in front of people and they're like, "You got ninety minutes," and in ninety minutes I can do it. And then somebody would say, "You got twenty seconds," and I'm like, "I don't know." Basically, life and air. Think of the word millionaire for a second. And when you think of the word millionaire, you know, every, when I ask everybody, you know. Would it, would it be kind of cool if you were a millionaire this year? And the overwhelming majority of people say, yes, it would be. Now, there's always some that say, I don't want a million dollars. And they have a negative association with what it means to be a millionaire, but it's because of what they believe it's going to take to get a million dollars. So, and I get it. I get it. But think of the word life and air. It's like, you know, a millionaire is somebody who has lots of money. A life and air is somebody who has lots of life. And the challenge is we know many millionaires. I mean, we've all heard the story of the millionaire who seems to have everything, you know, makes a ton of money, and yet they're on drugs, right? Or the, the millionaire who seems to have, every, have everything and they're on their fourth marriage, right? Or the millionaire who seems to have everything and yet they're taking pain medication or they're depressed all the time or whatever mm -hmm. it happens to be. And the reason that they're that way is because they have all the success financially, but they have no fulfillment in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so life and air is all about saying, let's build a life, let's design a life that is our ideal life, and then let's figure out how to design a business that gets there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a business. You can do this with a job as well. It just happens to be most of the people that we work with are business owners. But uh, a life and air is somebody who wants to experience life. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. I look at it as sort of an overlay for everything else, like... Um you can buy QuickBooks and you can learn how to use it, but if you're going to use it for real estate, you need an overlay, right? You need something that goes on top of it that tells you how to categorize things and, you know, is it, which is, which if you're, if you if real estate entrepreneur and have ever tried to set up your QuickBooks, you know how valuable the overlay is. <laughs> um, right. Life in is kind of an overlay for your business and your life that says, I'm going to make decisions about my business based on what my vision for my life looks like and that, absolutely that is that is an incredibly valuable thing when you are getting home from work late 6:30 at night you're exhausted you 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 know you're supposed to 
you know, send out a thousand postcards this week and you haven't even gotten started on it. And your vision for your life says I spend at least two quality hours a night with my kids. Well, now the decision's made. You don't, you don't address the postcards, right? It's, it, it's, it's, it's too late at night and it, it makes you, it, it just makes it real clear, you know, what, uh, how, how you ought to be spending your time and expending your energy and keeps you from constantly making the decision to do just a little bit more work. Well, yes, and it doesn't, necess- it doesn't mean that those postcards don't get dealt with. It doesn't mean that they don't go out or, you know, like for me, I'll give an example. When I started going through this, I realized that I was going on a lot of appointments at night. And when I started to write out my personal vision, I thought, how cool would it be to just have dinner time with family every night that's uninterrupted, where the cell phones are off, there's no iPads there on the table, you know, where we're not distracted with the TV on, where we're actually present, imagine that, and I'm spending quality time with the wife and the kids and everything else. But at the time, I was going on all these appointments during the evenings, and I was just a new father, and, you know, you're challenged with all that too. And it's like, wait a second, if I could have my life any way I would want it to look, I wouldn't be going on appointments three nights a week. And so I had to ask myself, when would I go on appointments? And I thought, well, I would go on appointments between like the hours of 10 and 2, maybe 3. But like if I could have it any way I wanted to, I wouldn't even be working 40 hours a week. Like, for example, you know, why is it that we work typically 9 to 5 or 8 to 4 or whatever it is? Do you realize that the 40-hour work week is not even your vision? Mm-hmm. That's a vision that was invented by Henry Ford back in the 1920s. And yet most of America has taken that on as their vision for what you're supposed to work today. Matter of fact, according to the government, in order to even work full-time and get benefits, you're supposed to be working 36 hours a week. But who says that you have to work 36 or 40? Or By the way, that's turned in for most people to 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And who says that you're supposed to work that much? You know, so that was never your vision to begin with. So we got to start with our own vision. So my vision said that if I'm going to go on appointments, it's going to be from 10 to 3, let's say. And that means I'm not going to be taking phone calls from sellers while it's dinner time, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. That doesn't mean that those calls don't get answered. It means I have to ask a different question. It means after 3 o'clock, how are the appointments going to get taken care of? Either they're not going to happen after 3 o'clock and I'm just going to have to maybe turn down some deals or maybe the sellers are going to have to be more adjustable with with uh, their schedules than me or maybe if the calls are coming in at 7 maybe I can have them answered by a live answering service and just pay a live answering service to take care of them the point is I can't do them if I'm also going to live the part of my vision about being present with my family but it's still got to get done mm-hmm. make sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I I, I... I totally, uh, uh, I am following what you mean. And if folks who aren't haven't been in that position <laughs> and, yeah, and, yep, and, yep. and so at, at some point you will. And it, it, so yeah, the other thing that, that the philosophy sort of does for you is it allows you to have the creative thinking, right? I'm not going on appointments after six. So who is? Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't mean no appointments will be made after six. That just means who is if if appointment yeah, has to be after six. Most people's response though is, well, I have to go on appointments after six because that's the only time the seller will do it, and I'm going to miss out on the deal otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, when I started doing this, I actually prepared. There was a buddy of mine here in town that was single. He was another real estate investor, and I just said, listen, man, when I when there's an appointment that has to take place after six can I partner with you on the deal where maybe you go on the appointment and you get a certain percentage of the deal for maybe locking up the deal? 
And he was like, yeah, I would love to do that. So I, I actually negotiated that with him in advance, thinking I was going to have to do this all the time. And the reality is, is I didn't even have to do it. I would talk to these sellers during the day, and I would find out about their house, and I would say, okay, I need to come look at the house. And they'd say, okay, well, you can come tonight at 7 o'clock. And my response would be, well, I appreciate that, but I only visit houses between the hours of 10 to 3. Mm-hmm. And some of these sellers would say, well, I have a job. I can't do that. And I would say, well, unfortunately, I can't buy your house. And you know what they would do? They would rearrange their schedule to allow me to come 10 to 3. I never lost a deal from this. Mm-hmm. I never lost an opportunity. And guess what? I never had to go on an appointment at night again, and I never lost a deal as a result of it. They started adapting their behavior to meet my new vision, which is crazy to me. I never even thought that's how it worked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we need to take a quick break. Uh, I want to continue this conversation with listeners involved. If you guys have questions, 877-772-9658 is the number to call in. You can also go to our website at realliferealestate.com and send us a question through the Ask a Question tab. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Sean McCluskey. He is the author of Life and Air, available on Amazon.com through WMKVFM.org. Also the keynote speaker for the 2016 OREA National Real Estate Summit coming up on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th here in Cincinnati. And we are talking about the life and air philosophy and how you can use it to make sure that you are getting the life you want, not just the money you think you want. Now, Shauna, uh, and uh, I know we're getting close to the end of the show here, and there's so much more we could talk about, but um, a, a big a big chunk of uh, what you and Steve teach and practice in your own lives has to do with debt. And how debt keeps us tied to having to do certain things. Uh, Talk a little bit about that and how in the world someone can be a real estate entrepreneur and not take on debt. (laughs) Uh, The old myth that you have to take on debt to make any money. Um, All right. So here's the deal. First of all, I've done this vision casting event. We do a three-day event now a few times a year. I've done this now with thousands and thousands of people where I help them come up with their life vision. After doing this with thousands and thousands of people, many, many real estate investors, I have never, ever looked at a single vision that anyone created for their own life where they said, this is what I want my life to be about. I never saw one of them that said, I want to have at least four or five million dollars worth of debt. Nobody has debt in their vision. (laughs) It's not there yet. We are taught every day that debt is a vehicle to help us have a better life. And, okay, I'm just going to give you a little different view. You know, most people, even real estate investors that have rental properties, for example, when I ask them, you know, how different would life be if you woke up tomorrow and the magic debt fairy came and wiped out debt on all your rental property, would, would life be easier or harder? <laughs> and, of course, the obvious answer is everybody says it would be easier. But why did we get debt in the first place? Well, we were taught that debt is the only way to get those rental properties. But man, there are, there's lots of other ways to do it without getting into debt. Uh, let me just give you an example here. I, when I started going through this process myself, the whole life and everything came to me in about 2008, 2009. And I had a private money lender that I was going to, that I got access, matter of fact, I have three of them, 
that supplied all the money for all my deals. And when you're closing 60, 70 deals a year, at any given time, I had between 10 and 15 loans out on the street where I was making monthly payments to them and everything else. So my expenses were very high just in loans. Matter of fact, I would close a deal. Most of my stuff was flips, by the way. But I would close a deal. Let's say I made 30000 bucks on a deal, which is about my average profit. I would make 30000 bucks, but then I would have nine or ten more loans to pay on this month because those were in various stages of the process. Either they hadn't been rehabbed yet or I had just closed them and I was trying to find a buyer or maybe I had a buyer, but the closing was lined up in three or four more weeks or whatever. So if I've got ten more loans that I'm paying on this month, I'm scared to death to even spend any of the thirty grand that I just made because – what if one of those deals doesn't close this month and I still got payments on 10 more houses? So to me, I started realizing that, okay, I've been taught everything about debt. I've been doing everything that I was taught, but man, I still don't feel free. Like everybody said I was going to feel free at some point, and I, I don't. So one day, my biggest private lender came in. This is a guy that I've made tons and tons of money over the years with and for. And he came in, he showed up to my office unannounced one day, and this was like the day after I had decided no more debt, right? And so he stops in, he pops in my office, which he did all the time, and he says, uh, hey, how's business going? And, you know, I looked at him, I said, hey, business is going well, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> he says, why? And I said, well, I made a decision yesterday that affects you dramatically, it affects our relationship together. And, and he looks at me and he goes, really? And I said, yeah. I said, um, I know I've made a lot of money with you and for you over the years, and I know you've always been there for me when I need money, but I'm never borrowing money from you again. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me with his eyes like bugging out of his head, and he's like, you're kidding. And I said, no, I'm, I'm really not. I said, I've decided that I have been a servant to debt. I've been a slave to you, no disrespect, but like I'll not spend time with my family to make sure that a deal goes through so that you get paid on time. And I said, that, you know, that's like 1% of it. Magnify that times 100, and that's what I'm doing on a daily basis. And I said, I can't do that anymore. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to run my business, to be honest with you, but <laughs> I've made the decision, so I hope you can appreciate it. And what do you think he did, Bina? Any, any guesses on how he reacted? Well, I hope he had respect for that but i can i, I what i'm hearing is 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 him seeing his uh his his ca his cash machine right his atm in the form of sean and kind of wah, wah, wah. <laughs> sorry right. so he instantly looked at me and he's like telling me every reason why that's so stupid <laughs> that there's not a business on earth that doesn't exist without debt that that's how he got started and that I'm going to fail miserably and end up in the gutter is basically what he was telling me. And I said, look, I, I heard him out and I said, listen, I appreciate everything that you're telling me. I know this goes against the grain. I said, you know, he says, how are we going to work together or, or are we just not going to work together going forward at all and this relationship is done? And I said, no, please don't mishear me. I said, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I, but I know it wasn't a favor too. Like I made you a lot of money. But I said, here's what I'm willing to do. And it hit me in that moment. Like, I had never even thought of this before. I said, what if we continue doing deals together, but instead of you being the lender, what if you became my partner? Mm -hmm. And he goes, okay, I'm listening. And I said, what if I partner these deals with you? Now, I'm not going to say partner like 50-50 just for you putting up the money. You know my deals. You know my numbers are really good. So it ain't going to be a 50-50 split. I'm getting more than 50%. I don't know what the numbers are yet. We'll figure out something that makes sense to you. 
But I said, you'll make more money this way, but you're going to have more risk. And what I mean by that is I no longer have monthly payments to you. And if we lose money on a deal, this is not a loan. This is a partnership where your part of the partnership is putting up the money. My part of a partnership is pretty much everything else. So if that means you're going to get all in my business and in my deals, then this isn't going to work. But if you're going to give me the money and shut up and get out of my way, then we can be partners and I'm going to make you great money. But if we lose money, we lose it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just was silent. And I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know if he'd go for it or not. And it was silent for what seemed like an hour. It was probably like 20 seconds, you know. <laughs> but he looks at his wife and he looks at me and he goes, Sean, we wanted to do that the whole time. We didn't think you'd go for it. <laughs> and I'm like, you mean I could have not had like 10 to 15 monthly payments for the past five years? Mm-hmm. And, and just imagine that. I mean, now, granted, I was giving up a little bit of a percentage of my profit when I closed the deal, but I no longer had the stress of having all these different monthly payments going out the door every single month. And so, you know, and that doesn't go to say that I became less of a partner, too, because w- it was still in my best interest to close these deals as fast as I could, because that's how I make my money. But if a closing just happened to take another three days through no fault of my own, it wasn't going to cost me an additional two points in interest like it used to cost me before if I went over the loan period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big difference. So the reason that we all get into debt is because we're taught that there's no other way, or we're taught that that's the easy way, or we saw somebody else who did it who, on the surface, seems to have this great life. All I do is I ask a different question. I say, is it possible for you to accomplish still what you're trying to accomplish without debt? And most people have never even asked that question. Therefore, they don't know that the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we have about two minutes left in the program. And I uh, want to remind people again that they can uh, get the Life in Air book at uh, Amazon.com, preferably through WMKVFM.org, that you will be in Cincinnati uh, for the uh, big uh, real estate strategy summit on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, and ask you, do you have any final words for somebody that this might be ringing a bell with? Like they're thinking, yeah, there's there's something here like what like what steps should they take tonight before they go to bed other than of course ordering the book <laughs> well i don't know if i should or could do this but we, we've got a little training i can give them too if if you want me to direct them to well it might be too late now but we've got on our website we've got a little uh, 45 minute long audio training that they can get to it's it's free yeah actually if you'll um, send me that link i'll put it up on realliferealestate.com I will do that for sure. Okay. Yeah, because that'll take these four stages, and it'll. We, we didn't even get a chance to really dive into the four stages. Those are also in the book, but some people love to read, some people a little bit more auditory, and this is about a 45, 50-minute training on what those four stages are. This, these four stages really had an impact on me because it dealt with everything from how I deal with my money to how I make decisions in my business and, uh, and everything in between. So it's really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Uh, appreciate your time today, Sean. Thank goodness you're an hour behind us over there in St. Louis, or we probably couldn't have gotten you on the air tonight with that whole don't do things in the evening policy of yours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, You well, know, last thing, too, it doesn't mean you can't make an exception every now and then. It just means you don't make it the rule. Very good. I look forward to seeing you here in Cincinnati on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th for the OREA National News Strategy Summit. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then... Happy investing.